So in 2019, I went to teach abroad in Thailand with a cohort of 30 women who were also um, looking to be teachers. And it was an amazing trip. And we were there for about three weeks. And then there were supposed to be another three weeks in China right afterwards. So um, we get done with our first incredible three weeks. And during the trip, I got like a strange bite on my calf. And I assumed that it was like a spider bite. So I took a photo of it because I like spiders. And I was like, look, this crazy spider bite that looks kind of like a target. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. So we go to China and they have these large sensors in the airport that basically detect, you know, your temperature. <laughs> and I get pulled aside and the airport people, which unfortunately I do not speak any bit of Chinese. Um, they were like trying to tell me something and they were like increasingly getting frustrated. And then they pulled me over to the security screen and it was saying that I had a temperature of 105 degrees, but I was Whoa. like, huh? <laughs> what? You felt okay. So long you story felt, short, you felt okay. I felt fine. Didn't yeah. feel like anything. So I thought maybe cause you know, it was like 90 every day in Thailand, but it was like 10 degrees in China. So I was like, maybe I'm just having a weird uh, physiological reaction or something. So they pulled me into a room and they were already like pretty tough with us. And they had me stripped down to my bra and my underwear and they had thermometers in my armpits and stuff. And what, eventually, mo what month was this? It was January, January, 2020, January, 2019. And this before the pandemic, like right before the year before. Yeah. Or like the year before the January, 2019. A year later would be the pandemic. A whole nother year until the pandemic mm -hmm. came. Okay. Yeah. So they had already had that big quarantine like that in the China? It's not a quarantine. It's just like what they've always done, I guess, at their airport. Um, they try to prevent, I don't know. They just try to prevent illnesses because their population is so massive, I guess, as we experienced with the pandemic. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess they were already kind of like that. They were getting prepared. <laughs> or it's always been like that. I don't know. So it was a full year before the pandemic, but they're already freaking out about your 100 degree temperature. 105. 105. That's pretty crazy. So they make me sign a waiver being like, if you die here, that's on you, buddy. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. So we get outside, we go over to the Forbidden City and the caravan that's supposed to come pick us up just never did. I guess they decided they didn't care about us. So we had to wait like some 30, 32 or 36 hours before we could catch another flight. And so we we're just in the airport. It was awful. So I get home. Fast forward a year later, we're in the pandemic. And I start to get really, really ill. And we don't know what it is. Well, turns out it was Lyme disease. And that weird bite I got oh. in Thailand was from a tick. Yeah. And for four years, I've been battling this parasite. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. And so I guess when you got parasites, one way to kill them is to eliminate a lot of things from your diet that might be feeding them. Yeah. They're called spirochetes and they're complete assholes and they just take over. I didn't think it was like a real disease. I thought it was fake um, until I just was super incredibly ill, did so many rounds of antibiotics. And then they put me on this weird diet called the elimination diet. You quite literally eliminate everything except for beef at the beginning. And then you just add back in all the meats 
and then you just add back in other foods. Um, and I've just been on this diet for quite some time now. How long? I've been on the diet for a year. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I was a vegetarian for 15 years. Prior. Yes. And I was also just not getting enough um, nutrition just because I was a full-time student, not like taking care of myself that well. Like a potato chip vegetarian? <laughs> Hot Cheetos vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. So, you know, at first I was like going through this moral dilemma. <laughs> and then, of course, it ended up being like the best thing for me and I've gotten over it. Yeah. <laughs> so you feel Life much disease. you feel much better now. I do. I haven't had any symptoms since the antibiotics and since this diet. It has helped me tremendously. Lots of vegetables that make you feel bad. So I've actually don't eat that many things but what I do eat is great yeah it's such a weird story but <laughs> no I think that like you know we have a lack of understanding about our like digestion and like yeah. maybe like I'm a believer of like blood type diets have you mm. heard of those before like eating by your blood type I think I heard about that a long time ago um there's like your... a book written by yeah do you know your blood type I think I'm a B positive or something like that no one totally remembers or knows. I know it's B something. If you looked at that blood type diet, you might be able to know what your blood type is based on the foods that your body deals with well. That I was having a hard time. I don't know my blood type, but I could do it based on looking at the foods that make my body feel better. Like crap, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been an interesting experience. I think the most wild aspect of it was quitting sugar. Yeah. Um, you don't realize how much sugar is in things until you don't eat it anymore and you have to worry about it. Do they call this the Zebo diet too? Zebo? Mm, I've never heard that term, but I have heard carnivore diet. Yeah. Um, which, in trying to research it to make sure I'm like being healthy, because at first you're like, meat and fat, that's so, so bad for your heart. But I guess the trade-off is you don't consume any carbs, it's like zero, so your body runs off the fat. If you do them together, it's like dangerous or something. Okay. But anyways, one downside of this diet is when I began to, you know, imbibe, um, you get really drunk off of like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and so this Halloween, I was like, I was a sorority girl. I totally have a tolerance. And yeah, I did not. I had three white claws. And I was like, Duh. you've become a cheap date now. <laughs> white girl wasted, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, it's been a, an interesting journey. Um, funny enough, the pandemic did wonders for me because I got crazy sick and had the time to figure it out, I guess. And now here I am in Chicago. You weren't living here before then? No, I moved here um, two months ago for a doctoral program. Okay. Yeah, I'm from San Diego, so. So, yeah. That's, what are you studying? I'm studying to be a clinical early childhood psychologist. Okay. It's only five years of my life, you know. <laughs> I think these kids seem to be really having a lot of uh, difficulties in navigating the world in front of them right now without their iPads right in front of them. It's really pretty scary to see these kids with their iPads, you know. Definitely, you humans know, technology. Too, humans too. I like uh, adults, but like uh, it's taken over their lives, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's the interesting thing about 
technology. It's advanced us in so many tremendous ways. We live some of the most comfortable lives because of it. Yet at the same time, we have this aspect where I know I talked to, um, I think he was like an orthopedic, I forget what he was. Anyways, he told me that he was starting to see children that were getting um, permanent like bone spurs in their neck by the age of 10 just from like looking down so much yeah. at their devices. Yeah. And then there's so many studies about how dangerous the light from these devices are to their eyes. And we have infants looking at them during some critical periods of their development. And it's just really unfortunate. I wish there was a balance. I wish people could um, control it more, but I just don't know <laughs> if that's possible based on human nature. Shouldn't it be know. like a warning, like a parental warning or something on the outside? I mean, like, there's parental warnings on smoking and people still smoke in front of their children. I, I don't know. I don't think... You know, people are going to do the people things. <laughs> yeah, it's really easy for parents just to give the iPad to the kid and then they shut up, you know. And parents are also stressed. You know, it's a different lifestyle now. Both parents must work. Um, but they're pushing the kid, they're pushing the kid around with the stroller just on their on their phone the entire time. Yeah. What the hell is the kid going to do? He's going to do want to mimic the exact same thing. Right. It's definitely concerning and I don't know what we could do as a society. I feel like it's a cultural thing. Like we have to decide as a culture, as a society, is this how we want to be? And I think people have basically said yes, regardless of the negative impacts. That we're going to just be cell phone society? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think that even if people, like you said, if the warning was there, they would they'd still do it. Yeah. I don't love it, but... Do you remember life before the cell phone? I'm 32, so I do. Did, like, uh, how much did you like paying for texts and stuff like that or having to, like... We didn't even have navigation on our phones. I had to go to, like, MapQuest and, like, print out directions. Okay, so you remember a little bit. Yeah, definitely when I was much younger. I think my first cell phone might have been when I was 17. Yeah. I think, and it was very rudimentary. It was not... The kind of phones. I remember when this phone came out. I think it was called the Chocolate or something like that. It was like it looks like a chocolate bar, but a phone. And I was definitely an older teen, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" But before that, you know, we didn't really have that. I had CD players. I used to actually like record on tape from sure. the radio. Okay. There you go. You're dating yourself now. Yeah. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> I'm like a fine wine. The older I get. The tastier I am. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the world has changed a lot. It will change so much in those next fifteen years, infinitely more seemingly than the last fifteen. Don't you think? Absolutely, especially with technology being able to work at the nano and micro level. That's just incredible. I think there's like limits to it, like physical limits, but. We're going to see such tremendous advancement. I don't know. I love a Star Trek future, I guess. <laughs> you want to go to outer space if you can? I would, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Hey, outer space needs psychologists too eventually, right? <laughs> yeah. Probably more. It's probably really isolating out there, I would think. Definitely. The, the Especially if they're going to be, uh, you know, setting up bases on Mars and the moon. and I don't know. Whatever those guys are doing out there. I'm for it. Within, you know, hopefully obvious boundaries, but 
I don't think people like to follow boundaries. Um, how does the AI affect your work? Are you dealing with the AI at all in your studies? Definitely. I think the biggest impact is in academia. So when I was TAing and undergrad, teacher's assistant, there were definitely several instances where I did encounter students using AI to, you know, cheat. And I think that there's a balance. There's a proper way to use AI. Uh, my favorite way to use it is like when I'm looking for words, when I'm doing case conceptualizations to describe something that a client is going through. And I'll be like, hey, chat GBT, give me like five words for this. Or I'll pop in a sentence and be like, based on your opinion, what do you think? And I don't know, it's like a great platform to bounce ideas off. But definitely, I can see that a lot of people have some legitimate concerns about AI. And just like anything, we have to think about those potential negative consequences and who's going to be impacted the most. You know, unfortunately, people do terrible things all the time. And they'll use incredible technology to do terrible things. And as a free people, I would hope that we would definitely stop something that's going to impede on our privacy and our independence. I am an American. That does matter to me, especially psychologists. We have existential right, existential rights, and I don't want those things taken away. So there has to be a balance somewhere. It's scary, right? It is scary. I guess. You can't trust the government to take care of it because they fuck everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. They're clearly not working in anyone's best interest. Well, they're working in someone's interest, and I think it's self-interest. And that's definitely unfortunate. So who's going to control the AI? That's what I'm saying. The corporations that have uh, you know, free will? Who's the responsibility for that? Well, I wouldn't say corporations have free will. I don't really think, I know that maybe corporations have certain rights and things like that, which is odd considering they're not like human beings, they're just a corporation. And I don't think companies would put limits on themselves because we're a capitalistic society. So hopefully enough smart people get together to do something about it. I think the growing pains are gonna be horrible, but AI can also be exciting. It's not entirely terrifying. It'll be a no big deal thing for the kids. It will be. Eventually, when we're long gone, all those things that made us afraid will be so normal and people will just continue to go on. Yeah. And life just continues on with or without us. It's okay. It's just how it is being human. Hopefully you'll get to get to Mars. I would love to. And maybe if there's going to be children out there someday <laughs> I can help create programs to ensure their mental well-being when they're out there because it seems like that's where it's headed someday I don't know about my lifetime but it'd be cool to be one of the first psychologists in space send Bezos a tweet <laughs> Elon
Well, they're just, they're just, I don't want to talk bad about anybody, but they're definitely doing their thing. I don't know if it's the thing I want to do. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks it was for having me. Right? It was yes. fun, right? It was yeah. interesting. Yeah. I've never gotten so deep in a... <laughs> left right before glad we could we could share thank you <laughs> that was cool yeah hopefully you have something usable there yeah